Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we ask that you would teach us more of your ways, more of your rhythms of grace, that you would help us to know, receive, and share more of your love in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So this uh, couple walks into a beer bar, and they've been there for a good while. And after they've been there for a while, um, she hears the man say, I love you, and I don't know that I can live without you. And she responds, is that you talking or the beer? (laughs) And he says, what? I'm talking to the beer. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I think we've got a whole new category of not dad jokes, but father jokes, Father Bob jokes. (laughs) Love is complicated, and that's kind of what I want to talk about um, today in in a number of different ways. uh, I get a cup of coffee almost every morning at a coffee shop on the way to work. And, I, and over the years, I've gotten to know the community table. And I'll sit down for a little while. I've mentioned them before. But um, this thing has happened, like in the last four months, that has really troubled me and ties in with what we're going to be talking about. Like one of the guys at, at the table is a big guy playing Wordle. And um, I don't know how many of y'all play that. But anyway, he apparently had this one day where he made a high. I don't play it. I don't even know how it works. But he made a really high score, and he put it out on this group text. And one of, the other pers- one of the other people on the, t- on the thing replied back saying, oh, yeah, sure, and you didn't cheat. And the guy got so incensed that he will not be at the table when that guy's there. And this is a person that goes to church every Sunday, both of them. And I'm like, these are, guys, these are people older than 50 who are doing this, who are Christians. <laughs> and this has gone on for four months. And I'm just thinking, how can this be? Well... I'm going to be talking about that, and if I'm brave, I might even send the link to them later. But um, (laughs) I want to talk about this complexity, and what I really want to look at today is um, talking about how, for Christians, love is an imperative, but if we're not careful, it can also slide into legalism, so I kind of want to balance the complexity of that and, and kind of talk about those as we head to our gospel that's dealing with reconciliation within the church community, within the family of faith. That's where I want to go with it. And the beginning place for this is to think about first about what it means to be a Christian around this whole topic of love. Because Jesus gives this command where he tells his followers in um, John 15, 2, where he says, I give you this command that you're to love one another as I have loved you. It's, a, it's a, just a straight up full command. And then, of course, elsewhere, he gives the great command that we're to love God with everything love our neighbors ourself. And then Paul today in the first reading that we heard today is echoing Jesus, talking about how when we lean into loving our neighbor, we're fulfilling the law. And I'll say more about that in just a bit. But we, there are many other passages that we could look at that talk about this imperative that we have to love. Um, in lots of different ways, it's there. Like it's, we have it. And it could be that we do it imperfectly, that we do it, we struggle to do it at times. We recognize that God is um, transforming us and strengthening us to continue to grow in our capacity to love. But one thing we know for sure in all this is that this is not an option. To be an authentic Christian means that we're about love. In fact, Jesus, uh, when he gives this command, that we're to love others in the same, you know, as we love, as he's loved. He goes on right after that to say, in fact, you know how people are going to know you're my disciples? 
because of the way you love. That's how he's, we're going to know. So we're meant, it's not a choice. We, we're called to love. However that plays out, we're, we're called to be a people of love, and it's not a choice. And I think one of the realistic kind of hard questions then is to say, well, does that have limits? And I'll sound like I'm in my other career when I say yes and no. <laughs> because I think on the one hand, we're disciples following a master who, or teacher who loves perfectly, who never encountered anybody that he didn't love perfectly, that he, he's the model for all of that. He loves the people that are unlovable, including some of us in here. He's always that person. And so we're called to be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. We're called to follow him as the one we learn from, who teaches us. So on the one hand, yeah, we're called to love that way. There aren't limits. He didn't have limits. But on the other hand, we're not Jesus. And we need to rec- factor that in. It'd be vain to think that we could love like him in, in actuality. Maybe our goal, and maybe where we're being transformed to, but we're never going to love exactly like he does. He keeps transforming us, and the more we see him, the more we encounter him, the more we experience him, the more we can draw from the well of love and his resources to love others. I always think about how Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she would say that in taking care of the untouchables in their caste system, in just trying to give people that no one cared for who had nothing, in trying to give them often just a death with dignity, she said the only way the Sisters of Charity could do it is because they they could see Jesus and the people they were caring for. That's part of the the, the um, transformation, the draw, the ability to encounter God in the least of these is something that helps us to love beyond what we could do otherwise. But we have to recognize, and I was probably slow to do this, that we, as we continue to be transformed and grow, we have limits, which means we have to have boundaries. And when you have, if you ever want to get depressed, go look at how many clergy burn out and leave ministry. And I'm convinced part of it is vanity that we, oh, we can do everything. We can do, and clergy, and sorry, parishioners who think, oh, yeah, they can do everything. Oh, yeah, I don't know what to do with this person. This is miserable and blah, 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 but Father Chris knows what to do. Let's hand it to him. And this stuff goes on, but we have to have boundaries. We we can keep moving them. We can keep growing. We can keep being transformed, but we're never going to be in that place where it's limitless. We're called to love. What does it look like when we lean into that in our lives? Well, I think it, when we lean into that, it changes every relationship that we have. When we recognize that we're called to be a people of love, known by love, loving the least of these, loving the marginalized, loving, that's what we're called to, to grow into. It'll change how we treat the person who cuts us off in traffic. It'll change the annoying salesperson that comes to your office. It'll change how you treat employees, bosses, and certainly spouses and children and parents and families. And it affects every relationship. And it's, it's again, occasion for us to grow and keep asking. We have the well of love in God, that God is love. And the more we get that inside of us, the more we can love at deeper levels in every relationship. And that's what we're meant to be about. People should look at Christians and say, Oh, it's a people of love. They don't get it right. They mess stuff up, but they're trying to love. We get that. And for Jesus tells us in that great command that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I'm mindful that in this time and age when we know what's happening to people all over the world, 
that our neighbors are not just the person across the street on the side of you, but it's everybody. I mean, on this day, we're grieving with the people in Morocco, and we're praying for them, and we're thinking they are our neighbor. All the way across the pond, they're our neighbor in what we do with all this, and that's just part of it. And then Paul, in our lesson today, reminds us as we lean into this how important it is because you can go read all these laws and go read all this stuff, or you can learn to love your neighbor as yourself, and then you, as you live that out, you will fulfill the law. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not doing inappropriate things with your neighbor. You're certainly not killing and lying. And all the different aspects of the law are fulfilled if we really stop and think what it is to love our neighbor and to go to that place. And I think that's why St. Augustine, um, would, one of his sayings that gets quoted is, he would say when you want to talk about what you do is, love God and do whatever you want. But the full quote is, love God and do whatever you want, because a soul that's been trained in love with God is not going to harm the beloved. So it's this idea that the further we go deeper in love, it's going to take us in all kinds of different directions. And some of that will stretch us and grow us. One of the things I do that some t- uh, uh, about a year ago, there's a film that's going to come out later in the year um, that's based on the book by the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church and the way of love. And there's going to be a movie. We'll, I'm sure we'll be saying more about that in, in due time. But they, uh, along the way, I got this um, shirt, and I love wearing it sometimes because people look at me so funny. But it says on it, love over hate, love over indifference, love over ignorance, love over ego, love over barriers, love over and over and over and over again. And I don't know if you can see it from where you are, but there's all kinds of symbols in there that just don't go together. Like, I mean, in a sense. Republican and Democrats on the same page, or, you know, and, and how is anybody going to look at that and say, yeah, no, don't love them? <laughs> not, not what we're called to do, right? And when I wear this, I get such interesting responses. I get some people go, oh, that's completely cool. And I get some people look at me like, are you okay? You know, like, <laughs> but I think we're called to be a people of love. Why aren't we? We should be the ones exactly beating that drum, that we're to be about that. Why aren't we about love? We, that that's what we're meant to be. And I'm mindful that when we get to that place, for us, within, certainly within the family of Christ, it gives us a common place to talk about any issue. Because when you get to that place where you say, oh, I'm a Christ follower, and I know that we're called to be known by love, then whatever the issue comes up, you can say, well, how does, you and I don't see this, this on the same place about this issue but we both agree that it's about love. How are you seeing that? And this is actually beautiful when it takes place. I, was, I once watched a uh, sort of a debate that was around issues of war. And one person was presenting uh, just war theory and one was presenting a pacifist view. But they both were, again, telling each other and affirming amongst both of them, we're about love. We're seeing it different ways about how we carry this out in this place of conflict. But we're united and we can agree what we're both trying to do is maximize love. We're seeing it in different ways, but this is what we're about. And, and one of the bishops in the past in the, in the Anglican church, I like Leslie Newbegin, used to say this is what church is like. He said, don't define church by a boundary, saying here are the rules. You're, you're in or you're out. These are the rules. He said church is defined by what's at the center. And if you've got Jesus at the center and his love, you can always have a conversation with anybody because you can say, well, 
I love Jesus and you love Jesus. How are we doing that? It gives you that place of kind of uniting on it. Well, I want to pivot. Um, that was kind of just getting us going. This is not a choice. And we start thinking about how this gets carried out in all kinds of different ways in all of our different relationships. And the one I want to pivot to now to time with our gospel is to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. And when we talk about those two things, we know um, those are not the same thing, right? Forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that you do, you can do alone. It's something where you are going to decide to release the power of a hurt that's been given you. And I'll say more on that in a minute. Whereas reconciliation is about restoring a relationship. It's about working through, there was a wrong done. I own that wrong. We're working to restore this relationship. I'm going to have to do whatever it takes to make it right. That kind of thing with the goal of putting it, the relationship back in its place. Forgiveness is different than that. Again, forgiveness Forgiveness, I think there's some things that we always have to be mindful of, that forgiveness is not saying that there wasn't a real hurt, that it didn't matter, that you're not going to forget it, and like all these kinds of things, but it's, this, it's getting this place of I'm going to let it go. And I like the way that one Christian writer that I was reading in the last few weeks talked about this. Um, this is how she described that when Jesus gives that command that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, that what's implicit in that, of course, is you've got to love yourself. And she says the reason we forgive is an aspect of loving ourselves. So I'll let you think about this. Right? Just think about this. This is what she says. Forgiveness being offered is first and foremost an act of personal agency or strength. You are primarily acknowledging your own needs. It's simply, it is simply a soul's way of saying my ultimate health and happiness will not be dependent on the actions of another person. I will not indefinitely suspend my peace waiting for one, the one who hurt me to take responsibility for their actions, waiting for them to apologize and make things right. It's about release. And in contrast to that, reconciliation is about restoring the relationship. And I'm going to say one thing right now that I will admit that theolo not all theologians will agree with what I'm going to say. But that is, in my mind, restoration um, and reconciliation is something that we want. And in perfection, it will happen perfectly for everyone. But I think as we live out life here, to go back to our limits and boundaries, I think there are times and places when you just have to say it's not appropriate. And there are theologians who will say that's a defeatist attitude and you shouldn't have that view we should seek reconciliation in all these ways. But I think there are certain evils that get done that it's, you just have to say, I'm never going to reconcile with that. I think about a friend of mine who was abused as a child by a neighbor. And I won't go into any details of that, but forgive the person? Yes. You have to do that. And that's for your own health. And Jesus says, in the, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, we say again and again, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Not an option to forgive. I think that's connected, and that's for you. But to restore the relationship with that neighbor, I personally don't think it's, I, I think that's off the, that may be beyond the boundary of what I can do or imagine. And maybe somebody further down the line, maybe Mother Teresa would say, yeah, you got to do that. But I think that, I think there's oftentimes when we don't, that's something where we don't go. But we live in a world where I know 
that we need more reconciliation. We have all these conditions personally and corporately and with nations around the world where we need it. Because when we don't reconcile, for us as individuals, if we make it a pattern where we do it all the time with everyone, I think we end up broken and isolated. And when we don't do it at sort of the bigger level, we see, we see terrorism and suicide bombers and all the different kinds of conflict around the world that happens because peoples are not able to reconcile. And I do believe Christians are meant to be a people not only of love but of reconciliation. And Jesus, in our passage today, is teaching us how to do it for the family of faith. And in N.T. Wright, the Anglican bishop says that it is extremely practical and ruthlessly idealistic, what he says. But whatever we're going to do, it's not going to be weaponized. It's going to be something to bring us together. So I want to just kind of walk really quickly through these steps. The first one is that whenever you see somebody who's wronged you, who's got something wrong and it's impacted you, with prayer and thoughtfulness, you go to that person and you say, I don't think you have this right. And, um, and it can be a great thing. I, had, I actually had this happen recently to me where somebody said, you don't have this thing right. And it was because I was moving too fast, not thinking it through. And when I stopped to think about it, it was like, yeah, you know, I don't have it right. Thank you for helping me with that. And that's a great thing. Again, that adds to the relationship. But if the person doesn't acknowledge that, then the next step, he says, is get your posse together. Get two or three people and go see them. And you choose people that are independent because one of the things you may hear is, yeah, you got it wrong. You're the one that needs to repent in this thing because you're looking at it all wrong. But otherwise, the two or three go and they say, you've got this thing wrong. And the two or three is an evidence thing from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Bible. You know, you want to have two or three witnesses. So two or three witnesses are taking this in. But if they don't do that, then the final straw on this thing is to bring them in front of the assembly. And the assembly is not bring them up in front of St. Michael's. We're going to have a meeting with, you know, all these people online streaming, too, and everything else. It's not that. <laughs> but it's this idea that this, the, the group this would have been patted off the synagogue. It's a smaller group would have come together as sort of a really big group saying, you've got this wrong and you really got to change this or it's going to be a break in fellowship. And that leads to the final thing, which is the, probably the hardest thing, is if the person doesn't change of saying, we're putting you outside of the fellowship. Not done as a weapon, not done to be mean, but done in love. Love of the community and love of the person. And I was talking to a, an, another friend in ministry about this recently, and he was telling me an example. We were talking about this, and he was telling me he was at a, a mega church involved with their singles ministry, and he said that over time the leadership noticed there was one person, this one guy, who would always um, come in a very strong way when, it somebody, when a, a couple had broken up, he would go to the woman to give her special love and care. And this pattern existed where they spotted it and so they came and confronted him with it and he was like no what are you saying I'm just trying to be loving to her or whatever else it is and then they brought the bigger group they went through all these stages and in the end they said you got to go to protect we're protecting the Christian community here and it's also for you because you need to change and all of that seemed appropriate and good the part that really kind of broke my heart on the whole story was the next thing he said was oh, only at that point did they decide they were going to call his former church where they learned it was 
that's how he got put out of that church too. The church is broken, and that's one of the things we deal with. I mean, we've got passages that go into that. But anyway, that's part of it. So, But we're called to be a people of reconciliation. And I think this is a hard passage that gets, sometimes people are so scared of it, they don't want to do anything with it. I've never seen it done very much in an Episcopal church. And it is hard. I, I went to a church conference once where it was a, at a mega church, and I'm trying to learn, see it from different angles, different perspectives, different denominations and this pastor got in there there are 500 pastors in the room and he got up for the opening address and he read from this passage of Matthew 18 and he looked up at 500 pastors and he said if your church doesn't have an active Matthew 18 practice of putting people outside the church you're not a legitimate pastor (laughs) made us all feel really great And he went on to tell a story about how there was somebody in the church that called themselves a Christian who didn't read their Bible enough or pray enough that they brought in and put out. And I was like, oh, weaponizing it, using it for the things that they want to do. And um, so it can be misused. I do have to sort of just add a small little note to that. In time, that pastor got put out of the church for for issues of pride. That's not a joke. That happened. <laughs> anyway, it can be something that's scary because it, it can lead itself to legalism, but it's something that's meant to make the community whole. For us as Christians, we're meant to be a people of love. We're meant to be a people about reconciling, about going into the places where people are unloved, where there's brokenness, and drawing on God's resources, trying to love in ways that are beyond ourselves. And that's what I think we're meant to be about, and it's not a choice. Hope you have some great things to talk about at lunch today. (laughs) Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you love us and that you call us to be a people of love in the world. We ask that you would help us to know your love. Help us to know we're loved inside and out by you with whatever we do. Help us to know our worth always as people made in your image and as your children. Help us to know the security that comes in following you. And with all of that and the the creativity you've given us, help us to bless the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.